This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Tokuingua. My name is Michaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and my name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. And I'm here today with the lovely Shauna Edwards, who is a playwright and a director of theatre and a lot more. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you, Michaela. <laughs> so lovely to have you here. I've you. Um, seen your plays and heard about you for quite some time. So it's fantastic to manage to get you here to talk a little bit about your work. Thank you. I'll just, um, I'll just pop in there that my... Um, also um, quite well known as Shona M. Wilson. It's actually my pen name. Um, so, yeah. That's what I thought. It's I my ha- alter ego, really. Yes. Oh, thank you for clarifying that because I had this under Shona M. Wilson and then I got another from Shona Edwards yes. and I thought, oh, am I... I, I am they. Oh, you are they. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. So... Shona's first play, Paperless, was embraced by Little Theatre here in New Plymouth in 2016 and by the community. And your second play, uh, Call Me Anna, was performed actually by Stratford High School, I believe. That's, that's correct, mm. yes. And uh, that, was, that was really, um, I guess it added to, to my self-esteem because, you know, I, I guess most of us could probably put together one play and have it directed, but when somebody picks up a second one, you start to feel like, like a bit of a playwright. It's an, an, and it's a lovely feeling. Mm, I'm on to something. I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Which you absolutely were, because um, uh, your plays uh, have a lot of uh, humour, but there's a lot of underlying subtext as well. I can't seem to get away from that. I think um, that's the reality of, of life. Um, everybody, I guess everybody has their issues. My way uh, of de- of getting through any issues of my own is, is pro- I probably deal with it through humour, perhaps a bit, a little bit too much. But um, you know, th- there's light and dark every day for for everybody, um, and perhaps that helps to make the plays a bit more relatable for the audience. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I think there's nothing like it to manage to, you know, bring in humour. And it's not like you are laughing at the people. It's very much, you know, a kind of uh, laughter that embraces sometimes a bit of a black humour in there. Yeah, I do, I do enjoy black humour. Mm. Yes. Um, I haven't attempted... I'd, well, I have written a play where there's... Um, some mental health undercurrents which could be seen as a little dark um, but it does have a happy ending oh. so <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes up for that 
So are happy endings essential, do you think, to make a play? Uh, no, they're not essential, but um, I think that in particular the, the Christmas set slot, um, I, it's there is a, a kind of particular genre of play that is generally chosen because people need a bit of um, uplift, I think, at that time of the year. It's usually very stressful. Uh, a good laugh and a happy ending bodes well, I think, for um, people walking away and smiling and feeling like they've just relaxed and you know. Mm. So yeah, certainly I wouldn't like to put on the crucible at Christmas time <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I didn't, I I don't write my place specifically for the Christmas season, but this this last one, the Golden Girls, it just happened to fit. I think. Mm. Yeah. And so the Golden Girls is uh, coming up here in New Plymouth on the 23rd November to 10th of December at uh, New Plymouth Little Theatre. That's right. And it's a comedy. Yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, I first heard it mentioned as being your last play, which made me a bit worried. But Not at all. It, it, it's only, uh, well, I guess it, most people know, um, I am going to be moving to Whanganui to live permanently. Um, I'll be taking Taranaki with me in my heart, of course, and I'll, it's very close, so I'll be back often. Um, so I believe it's going to be the last play that I direct at Little Theatre. Um, Wanganui Repertory are hanging out for me to come down there. They've already um, produced one of my plays. So um, no, I'm certainly not putting theatre behind me and, I'm, and, and my writing's number one. That, that's never going to go away. So there could be more plays. I'm hoping to complete a novel that I started some time ago. Um, but ideas tend to just come along and so I grab them and run with them and that seems to be the way I operate. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're going to delve deeper into this and, and um, see what we can get from you before you leave New Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. of course, Golden Girls is coming up. So let's listen to Mikey Dam, Time. I've been trying to find the time to remind myself to tell you I love you. I'm always sorry, but I feel it's not enough And look away to face the ugly and the truth I made a promise to figure out when to make it And take you to any place that I go I really want you to know that this isn't easy But I know I'm coming back home I wish that they knew that I was trying to run time I fought through the scars and nearly closed my mind But I told myself, don't you give up When it feels so far, but I figured You can't buy the sound Can't buy the sound. 
the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. We are grateful for the sponsorship from Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lendai Center for this podcast. And uh, I'm here today with uh, Shona Edwards uh, slash Shona M. Wilson, uh, who is a writer, playwright and director of theater, among many other things. She has 12 plays to date which is uh, no mean feat. And uh, have they all been uh, staged and performed here in uh, Taranaki? No, they haven't. I've, um, uh, I, at least seven of them have been produced, um, but not all here. Uh, so I've had um, one short play that won an award that was produced here, the gift shop. It's produced here, and I think it was 2017. Well, uh, no, perhaps 18. Um, and that is now being picked up by the Octagon Theatre in Whangarei. Oh, congratulations. Um, so just to mention that that was actually the um, uh, Play Association New Zealand's uh, short play competition in 2017. That's winner. right. Winner, yeah. That's right, yes. So so that was thrilling and also thrilling to see it come to life here. Um, but, yeah, and uh, so that has been picked up. I, unfortunately, I can't go up to see it because <laughs> I'm pretty busy here at the moment. But um, I'm sure I'll see it again somewhere sometime. Uh, it is what one of my favourites. Um, so, and I have ha- following Paperless, which was my first baby, and I must say, uh, it's almost still my favourite. Oh, um, bit of a shock, really, that the first play I've ever written was so successful, uh, but I had a lot of support. Um, I belonged to a writing group who gave me lots of encouragement. I also have a dear friend who, um, when I wrote this this little play, it's a, I, it was just a, it was a true story that was dear to my heart, and it was about my own experience through um, redundancy in an office, and the, the the threat hanging over us sort of carried on for. for so many years that um, it just became funny. Mm. And the ways that their relationships within the office changed with this threat hanging over us, and I thought, ah, I could write something about that. And it just turned into this little um, short, like, 15-minute one-act play, and I I showed it to a writing friend of mine, and she said, go away and do it again. Go away and develop those characters. You can make a full-length play out of this. And I said, oh, no, I can't. No, I'm doing so... Uh, and I, so off I went. Anyway, eventually I looked at it again and and wrote what is it, sixty pages or something, mm-hmm. and um, turned it into full. And I ended up falling in love with all the characters, seven of them. Um, and it became yeah, it became a comedy that was dear to my heart. And then 
there was a it took a little bit of a while for the theatre to want to pick it up, being an unknown playwright. Mm. Uh, and I understand that. I understand that fully now. Um, yes. <laughs> so, hey, good luck. And yeah, I haven't really looked back. Mm. It's sort of been so exciting and a, and a long journey. Um, and seven characters for a first play is quite a lot too, um, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, I was told that you know you shouldn't. I, I was. Told what I have had a lot of input, a lot of advice from lots of different people, and and I really value it. But I also value that now I can choose which advice to keep yes. and which to discard. And to be honest, I mean, I was in the Full Monty, uh, had a very small part in the Full Monty uh, little theatre in the middle of last year, twenty eight characters. So mm. there you go. You yep. can write as many as you like, as far as I'm concerned, as long as you think if you end up having to direct that you can pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And so uh, for anyone who's out there listening and kind of feeling maybe this is something for me, what kind of advice would you like to pass on to people who are interested in writing and interested in writing plays in particular? Yes, write, just write. Um, you can pull it, the dialogue out of anything. So even if it doesn't start out as a play, it might end up as one. Uh, write, share it with those people that you trust, people who have some knowledge and don't be, do not ever be afraid of criticism because it's always constructive. It takes, I mean I've been writing since I was 12 so it does take a bit of time to um, learn to edit as you write. Oh yes. (laughs) Uh, But if you can learn to edit at any time um, after you've written something, every time you write something it doesn't matter how bad you think it is, it's not because you're learning from it. Um, and learning to edit is probably the most valuable skill I have now. Mm, absolutely. And then there's nothing, um, you know, more useful than actually hearing it read out loud. And uh, before you even get to, you know, s- uh, stage it, you have to read it out loud yourself as well to hear how it sounds, especially when it's about dialogue. Yes. Mm. I, I, yes, I mean, I, I guess that was one of my strengths, dialogue. I didn't realise that. I wrote a play and I think when I look back at some of my previous works the dialogue is the strongest part um, and I was always one to remember conversations I was sort of an oral learner mm. so um, which is valuable if you at lectures you know <laughs> yes um, so yeah I, I mean I had I did have somebody say to me once oh I could never write and, and I said to them what are you thinking right now and, and they they gave me a sentence. I said, write that down. So they wrote it. And I said, now you're a writer. Mm. Yes. <laughs> That's it. And, you know, they said, oh, but it's not good. It, it can become good. Mm. You if just you, need to have a lot of stamina to well, see through. Well, you need the passion, I yes. guess. Um, but sometimes that comes once you feel that you've done something successful. Yep. Um, and then, yeah. So I give lots of encouragement lots and lots of encouragement to anybody who wants to give it a go because mm. I was like that once mm. and you know I've written some stuff that will never see the the light of day again um, <laughs> over the years <laughs> oh. <laughs> had lots of rejections yes as you do um, and I think that's know. the important part to remember that uh, anyone absolutely has, ne- uh, who just don't give up no don't give up and, and rejections are part of the learning journey sure is mm. and you know 90% of the time the it was re- rejected for the right reasons. So. Yeah, you can see that in hindsight, <laughs> but at <laughs> the time it hurts. <laughs> it hurts, it hurts. You know, you've got to have a cry for five minutes and then start something new. Yep. So 
Um, could you tell me a bit uh, then about the journey of one of your plays? So you sit down, you try to write, um, usually between 60 and 90 pages, isn't it? Uh, it's purely dialogue with maybe a few instructions, but that's the thing that you can't actually write all the things that you can't see that goes on in people's heads. It's right, and I think that's, you know, um, yeah, I, I've... I think that, well, I tell you what, I read a book about playwriting written by Roger Hall. So that gave me some skills and some insight. And um, like, for example, the three times rule where if you introduce something in a play, you, you can't leave it on its own. It can't sit alone. It has to mean something and you need to mean, either have it there or mention it or, or as a block in action at least three times for the audience to realise that it, to remember it and to, um, ha- I guess, to take it on board as part of the story. Mm. Um, so Remind was, them. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so it's a it's a craft as opposed to just just writing heuristically, which I've attempted before. Um, and you know, you don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to to know the ending necessarily. You don't have to know. Um, it's a good idea to have a basic plot, but you don't necessarily know all the action until you start writing. Mm. Um, but when I am writing the dialogue, I see the facials as I'm writing. This is this person. If this person says that, this person, whoever they're speaking to, is going to be looking like, you know, grumpy or reaction. And that's so that's the visual part of it. Whereas if I'm writing a novel or a short story um, or, or poetry, you know, I. Uh, I don't have that same need. That that's more about feelings and emotion, whereas writing a play is quite visual. Mm. So does the play then come alive when the actors are actually reading it for the first time? Is that a different? And what is that feeling like? Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. It's like these characters didn't exist before. No. And now they and um, it's it's scary the first time because. You know, you don't know if it's going to fall flat or whether it's going to make sense or until you hear, you know, it's all about inflections and it's all about um, reading for understanding and predicting what the person that, you, you know, that you, you're talking with might do or say in response. Mm. So, um, And how much uh, do the actors then add to what you have written? They have done. They've not so much written more actions... They, they they like you know some will stick to the script, and that's it. And some don't even like it if I say, oh, actually, I'm going to just shorten that sentence a bit because, you know. So, in terms of directing, um, it's a lot of a lot of manage you know, managing personalities and uh, sometimes emotions. But yeah. Mm. So, um, but they yeah no that I've had some valuable input from really good actresses who have just put an action in that I didn't expect and I thought yeah that works that's way better than what I had thanks mm. for that oh. I don't like to steal but you know mm. thanks for that um, very cool so that it is very it cool it collaborative beca- it's very much a team effort by the end of mm. it honestly the, the, the play's just the, the start the springboard um, and everything else becomes way more important as the journey goes on including crew mm-hmm. including backstage mm. work Oh, wow. Well, we'll come back to that. And on that note, we are going to listen to Finn Razel, Human Nature. Mm -hmm. 
all the butterflies spread their wings if all the treetops shed their leaves well I will tell you one thing honey I will never let you go I will tell you one you go home. It's human nature living as well. Back to where we started. Together under the sun. For we are open hearted. And we're going to the seaside and leave it behind. It's a brand new world And we'll go to the seaside And leave it behind us And make this place our home Welcome back to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. And we are grateful for the sponsorship from Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. And today I'm here with writer, playwright, director, Shauna Edwards, Shauna M. Wilson, um, who goes by two names. And uh, we are talking about plays and directing and how important the whole effort of everyone involved is, the crew, the backstage, the props uh, uh, people, and um, the actors. And so you have had the opportunity of both being on the playwright side and seeing your work come to life, uh, but also directing then your own plays, I presume, as well as other plays. I've only directed my own, to be oh, honest. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, I think it would be... It's probably... The, Perhaps the next thing on my bucket list, um, and I'm not sure. Oh, look, I think I could do it now. I've directed about four, five plays, I think. This will be my fifth, I, I believe. And so possibly I could pick up somebody else's. I'd have to absolutely love it. But, but I think that's what how directors pick their plays anyway. Something speaks to them, I guess, mm. whether it's um, the story or or the characters. Uh, so what so is the trickiest part there? Is that the, the responsibility that comes with putting it on as a really good show? Or yes. Definitely. Mm. I mean, you don't want to let the theatre down. No. And um, particularly if it's a play that's never been done before. And all of, all of mine have been brand new. Um, and so I take heart from people around me who have been in the game a long time and they read the play and they give me good feedback, and that gives me the confidence, I guess, to start. And then it's about surrounding yourself with talent in every way. Talent and props people, I mean, they're invaluable. Wardrobe people, invaluable. 
you know, you just, it's not about me. It's about all of us um, pulling this off, because there's so many threads to pull, you know, to create the carpet at the end. Um, so, and it's, you can imagine what it was like the first time I, when I didn't really know anybody very well and um, I had all these you know, other directors around me and people are thinking, oh, I just don't know what I'm talking about. And you know, they were very patient and very kind. But I, I just, I guess I didn't give up and I hung in there and I kept doing it and now I, I talk their language. Oh. And they're my family, all those things. And I can go to any one of them for help or support or ideas. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a um, it theatre is an interesting it's an interesting hobby. Um, you can be it can make you highly emotional for a moment, and then it's sort of just the next day it's all it all kind of falls flat, and you've got to deal with that as well, I think. Um, and then you know one one day I'm, I'm dealing with uh, uh, personalities who are clashing. And then the next, and I go to bed, and I think, oh, how am I going to sort this out, and how am I going to do it? And the next day, they're best friends, and it's all, and I'm the only one worried about it. So <laughs> it's kind of, I've learnt, I've learnt how to deal with that myself, as mm. in, you know. And are you the one who casts uh, all the? I did, yes. Actors, yes. Mm. The director does chooses has has auditions and makes those choices. I was very lucky with the Golden Girls. It was, and and that I could have picked any of them. They were all so talented. I could have picked any from the those who turned up, and, and and made a good show. So it came really came down to to looks, having four um, women who who had different looks and ways of moving and ways about them. Yeah. Mm. And this is um, a bit of a lockdown play. Yes. In so which way? Yes. No, I, you know, I I wasn't going to ever write a lockdown play because um, I felt that. It's, you know, there's so much fodder in lockdown for humour. And I thought every second playwright would be having a go at this, using it as a tool to, you know... Um, Contain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put up obstacles. So, so um, but when when I was given the idea, well, I was given the idea by a young lady backstage during the Full Monty, and she wanted me to write um, a play based on the Golden Girls, you know, the sitcom, and, and I said, no way, that, you know, I'd just completely undermine it if I did that. But I walked away and, it, you know, the ideas sort of hang around. That's I think the ideas that hang around are the ones that come to life and the idea of four women stuck together and not able to leave really, um, you know, I just felt quite excited by it. I thought, I can do that and I can do it justice, I think. Um, I've got so many different... You know, female friends in my life who are wonderful, and um, so I started writing. I thought, how am I going to? Oh, you know, best thing to have these women stuck together with all their hormonal issues is in lockdown, <laughs> where things like not having enough Tampax becomes a, a big deal. You know, mm, absolutely. <laughs> when, who's going to the supermarket to get those? And and you know, we can only go one at a time. And and you know, it might seem mundane, but when you put it in a play, it becomes funny because people have been there and they've, you know... They've recognised themselves. And they, they recognise themselves. Mm, they want to see how you get out of it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the important part, isn't it? That you keep... 
putting up these obstacles and people actually want to see how they deal with it. Um, yeah, it's it's about keeping the audience engaged. Mm-hmm. So and so that you know it has to move quite quickly and the entertainment has to change quite fast within within a play. And I think finally, you know, I've I've got that. I've got to the point where I go, I'm starting to write like that. Mm. So I'm, I'm really happy. Mm. Yeah, no, and you are bouncing with energy, <laughs> I have to say. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing the Golden Girls I'm in November. I'm mm. And uh, I was wondering then, how do you balance that kind of, uh, when you're talking comedy and uh, humour, that the humour stays on the right side of slapstick and whatever, you know? How do you... I, you yeah, know, I balance. don't plan it. Mm. Um, I think I just know. I just inherently know. And that, that comes from my age you know I'm 60 now so I've been around a while I started writing when I was 12 that's a lot that's a lot of um, I've developed a lot of life skills and I have a lot of good relationships so I kind of I I got my you know I got my sense of humour from my parents and but there was there's always something underlying that you know beware the tragedy of the clown they say Mm. things like that but there's always you know People aren't usually just funny. No. Mm. They they have, uh, if you want to um, get to know them well, you'll find a lot of depth to their character. And you'll find that they've been through some things that perhaps aren't pleasant or mm. things that have helped them to grow or things that they feel the need to hide by using humour, mm. perhaps. Mm. And um, humour is such a tricky thing. I mean, it's... Uh, such a good uh, tool to have as a writer but it's really hard to do well and being a writer who writes you know long novels and stuff for also for in other languages and for people in other countries it's really uh, quite amazing how you get someone laughing out loud at something that you never intended to be funny oh <laughs> yes and and that will happen with this play um it never fails to amaze me. There's sometimes there's some real great lines that I think are marvellous, but you know I created them, and <laughs> silence. <laughs> but another line or a bit of an action, and some and it just you know tickles somebody's fancy, and they burst out laughing, and and I'm going, oh, was that funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so but, um, interesting. Yeah, I get I, it. Is there is it? You've got to have a balance, um, and it's I don't plan it. I just. It comes from the characters. It's very character-driven, obviously. And so you've got to... um, I guess you've got to have a profile of each one. Mm -hmm. You you can't have two that are too similar. similar. Mm. Um, And you just think about who they are, their age, where where they've come from, (laughs) their funny lines, and and think about what may have happened to them. And there's your plot. Mm. And you've got to pull the others in as part of it as well mm. so um. let's talk uh, plot and character arcs uh, after this we are going to listen to Rene Milner so much Don't listen 
Welcome back to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. We are grateful for the sponsorship from Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center for this show. And I'm here with um, Shona Edwards, or as she's also known, Shona M. Wilson, who's a playwright and a writer and a theater play director and a lot more. And we were just talking about... Uh, uh, yeah, the plays, the plots of plays and how you make your characters stand out by ensuring they're uh, unique and not too similar. So what about the plot then? It's interesting to hear that you said that you don't need to know necessarily where this is going when you start out writing because that's what I often feel when I start out writing. But somehow I thought that maybe a scriptwriter is far more focused Possibly, um, I, you know, it, it varies from play to play. Mm. But it, it is it is a good idea to have a very simple plot to start with. Don't need, but you know that can cha- the end can change perhaps. Um, I I wrote a, a play called um, Give It a Rest, and it's about um, three siblings who come together to support their uh, elderly parents going into a rest home, um, and it's a dark comedy. And um, the I changed the ending completely because it sort of fell flat. And um, but the basic story always stayed. You know, it was it was it was about the relationships between the siblings, and it was about them trying to resolve their own conflicts so that they could come to a, a reasonable decision. The decision ended up being taken out of their hands mm-hmm. in the end. But this is. But there was this issue of mental health with one of the characters, and um, she was developing Munchausen's Munch mm. proxy, which is quite a dark mm. theme. So, what play was this? This is called Give It a Rest. Yep. Hasn't been aired yet, hasn't ah. been produced, but I have finished it. Um, and when I, I got th- sort of three quarters of the way through, and I, I, I sort of wrote the ending, I thought, no, that's actually not what this play is about. And in the end, I wrote it, and and it was about the the son regaining a connection with his family. Mm. Um, Interesting. And that was it was almost a twist mm. at the end. And so when you didn't s- predict. No. And when you say that it fell flat, did you notice that as you were writing, or only when you started? Um, you know, did you read so when it When I started out? editing oh. and um, and reading aloud to myself mm. and. And and I knew there's something wrong, and then I thought, you know, this, the his story started right at the beginning, and it's almost like I didn't see it. Sometimes um, the characters generate, you create oh, yes. a character, <laughs> and then the story, some of the story follows. Yes. Um, but you do need a simple plot to start, just so that you can start. Mm. Yeah. Just so you can start. Yeah. Have you ever found that uh, you have too much uh, information on some of your characters that yes. they become unruly and? Yeah, I it's taken probably six plays before I realised that I didn't need so much dialogue, um, and a lot of the unspoken is is just as important. Um, the actions speak louder than words at times. But how do you do that in a play? Do you write in the uh, direction, the instruction? Okay, only if it's needed. Um, only if it's not obvious. Um, but actually, the way I write now, I think. You know, that it was proven at the first reading of the Golden Girls. Was I wrote it, and I could tell that the cast, very talented actresses, 
knew how they were going to um, how, how they're going to say this to each other and how they're going to respond to each other. Just, but I had edited it right down quite short, you know, pieces of dialogue. Um, so everything that each character says has to mean something mm. really important. Mm. Not, you know, okay. uh, it's a real. Um, you do become ex- exceptionally good at editing. I mean, I did. I actually did an editing and proofreading course, um, and to get a diploma so that um, and that you know. And a lot. You don't have to do that. No. You just have to be, be aware, become aware of what's needed mm. to tighten a script mm. up. And you are part of the Script Writers Guild. I'm part of I'm part of two writing groups. I'm part of um, a, a a critiquing style group along with Francis, you know, and um, that group started some years ago, um, and it was we came together with a mentor. And we learned to critique each other's work, and every every year that went by, we became better at critiquing our own. Mm. So it's wonderful. Um, so I belong to that one, yes, and um, a, a bit of a social group that I'm sort of been struggling to keep up with lately. But that's more of a just writing for fun mm. and sharing. Mm. So um, it, it all helps. It all helps. Just. Uh, one thing I would like to say for budding playwrights is if you can join a theatre, you don't have to direct, but join a theatre and work backstage. Mm. Um, that'll help teach you about what you can put in a script that's doable. Mm. Because, you know, you can't sort of... You can't have, like, 50 scene changes um, and you've got one at a train station. One, well, yeah, I mean, you, you can with modern technology, but the way I do things, you know. And I also try and stick to one set if possible. Um, You don't have to if you're clever technically. Uh, I tend to to be focused on the relationships and the words and the technical stuff I've had to learn. So um, I try, uh, often my plays are just one set and I love offstage, um, offstage sort of action as well and hearing things off stage and that helps that helps if it's done correctly to put somebody in a different place mm, mm, you know mm. necessarily like for example I can give it a rest I have nobody ever sees the parents mm. they hear them yep but they're down the hallway in their bedrooms mm. so they hear them and I mean that solved that problem one set good good mm. to go <laughs> mm. yeah amazing so how, what would you say to someone then um, who has already written something and doesn't know how to get it out there? What do you do when you have finished a play and you actually think that it works and you've had good feedback? What yes. do you do? So it's not easy, but no. I joined the Playwrights Association. Yeah, that's what I was Museum. wondering. Oh, yeah. sorry, yes. Yeah. I joined that um, and they are very supportive of brand new playwrights I, and I it's it's, I encourage anybody to do that. They have a, an annual competition, um, and if anything does quite well, then it's possible that they they will look at it for you and um, send it on to somewhere like Play Bureau, who might or might become your agent if if they accept it. Um, so you can also have uh, your plays assessed. You can go to Play Market and pay f- to have your play assessed. I also recommend that. Um, I did that with Paperless. And what they came back with was, they didn't change my play at all, but they added to it. You mm. know, they they gave me ideas to add to it, which was just perfect. So if you're really really keen and passionate, and you can take some bit of 
constructive criticism, that's really important. I suggest you, you do that. Um, hang around at your local theatre. And after you've, you know, it could be your first one. But, and actually the other thing is I supported a, a young um, young lady who, who's an actress. She's actually left Taranaki, sadly, but she wrote a play and she came to me with it. And so I um, encouraged the theatre to let us have a reader's night. So mm. we had a bit of an audience. So how we said, I did it with a couple of mine as well. So we set them up and we had, you know, the author had to, had to find the, the cast and they can just stand on a stage or sit and read to an audience and the audience has can anon- anonymously write notes. Mm. Super, super. Um, I think that's so valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, we, we, you can make it a club night for mm. members for, for your local mm. theatre. We've done that. Mm. And, and that's... Don't be frightened to ask. Mm. Just email your local... You mm. know, the committee at Little Theatre here or um, any of the other theatres mm. here or wherever you are out there in the world... Mm. And just say, look, I've got this play, um, and I can we have a readers' night mm-hmm. and, and just get some feedback, mm. and you know, maybe put out something beforehand, and there would be a, a few of them read. But uh, uh, wasn't that the intention also with Theatre Fest that was held no, earlier? That, no, that's run by the um, Theatre New Zealand, and that's a, a national um, competition. To um, but they are quite short. One. Act only, I think. No more than fifty minutes. Mm. Most people put in a play that's like ten, mm. ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Um, I put in one of mine um, that I, because it's an unusual length. I, th- I think it was about. I think I got it down to forty minutes, um, and it is with play bureau. But people like sh- real short plays, or they like full length. It seems. And full length. And how oh, long is full length? Oh, at least an hour and a half. Yep. Yeah. So you forty it's minutes is too much in between. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I put that into Theatre Fest because it was actually won second prize in the playwrights competition, um, and it's a play that that I um, so I don't know. It was just really touches me. It's it's not dark humour, but it's about a woman who um, two women who one lives in England, one in New Zealand. On a on a bit in a beach batch, and they they have the, they're worlds apart, but they connect by cell phone um, video messaging, and kind of an era by mistake, and they keep up this relationship. So it's a split scene with you know English lady here and New Zealand lady here, and they really you know it took a while for them to actually meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Harry Burton's sister, and so I was theatre fest. Um, it's really about getting feedback for your directing. Mm. It's not so much about your play. It's about they, you know, the judges come along and we we have a, an evening of plays and they give lots of really good feedback about you know your use of music, your lighting, your directing, mm. a little bit about the acting. And that comes uh, along every year then. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they aim for an annual yeah. Um, event. Yeah, mm. and so that's advertised, and, and we hosted Little Theatre yeah. hosted it this year. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's something else you could try, mm. especially if you want to start out 
and, she, and you're a bit nervous and you, you've got your, you've got a 10 minute play and you've got some characters that you know you can use, you can put an entry in, hmm. no problem. And of course you have also the short shorts, uh, the 48 hour film uh, festival that comes along every year too, where you could try something very much shorter in the film medium, but yes. if you like to try your hand at directing. Yes, I, I co-wrote one of those, that was, oh, that was so much fun and I got to sit I got to be in it, but you know, just sitting there, <laughs> overacting with my facials and all that. But gosh, that was a fun day, mm. fun, well weekend. Um, I love that. Yeah. So mm. that's something else. It's there's a lot more. There's other skills that you could bring into that. It's not you know, it's not live. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. yeah, go for it. I just say go for it. I say. Um, listening to you it's like you love all your plays and clearly all your characters are really close to your heart and I guess that's what shows that uh, you really care about them and that comes through in, in how you've written the scripts and how you direct them so actually yeah. pe- people have stopped asking me if I'm any of the characters because I've created so many <laughs> I, I, I don't have multiple personality <laughs> problems so yeah it's um I do and I and not all my characters are female no. So, um, so I've tried. You know, I, I've kind of look honestly. Men and women, not not that much difference really. No. They still have the same desires, the same regrets, the same Needs. you know way ways of dealing with their emotions, mm. and the same issues that we all mm. have to deal with every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. On that note, we are going to take a short break and listen to the Oyster Catcher by Sean Rigney performed by Stephanie Jones. Back to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host, and we are grateful for the sponsorship from Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. And I'm here with Shona Edwards, who also uh, writes under the name Shona M. Wilson, and we are talking about uh, her theatre plays, directing, uh, The Golden Girls that is coming up now in November uh, on Little Theatre in uh, New Plymouth. But uh, 
to finish off, I would also like to ask you about your books because you have also written two children's books and you've um, self-published two novels and, you know, that's pretty amazing. So well, tell me about your books. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think this, this started when I read Little Women when I was 12. My grandmother gave me Little Women. She loved books. And... It's just started something in me. I love that. I love the story. I, of course, I, f- I love Jo. Um, she was a writer, and um, so so since then I sort of dabbled in short stories and poetry, and entered a couple of competitions, and didn't do so well. And but I never really lost that. It's like a compulsion, I guess. Oh like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, you don't really have a choice. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, ideas. Ideas beget ideas. You know, they visited me in my head in the middle of the night quite often, and they couldn't shut anything that st- sticks around for more than a day. I think, well, this has to turn into something. So, um, but you know, I, I I didn't write so much when my babies were young and growing up. That was that was really a bit difficult to do it. But um, as soon as they got to an age where they were pretty independent, um, I started to go to a writing group here in Taranaki and then that led me to go into a creative writing course with um, Joan Rosia Jones and she who became my mentor I guess and um, some of some of the other my other writing counterparts they uh, also part of the team as well um, and so I was at this course and I was I, I'd always wanted to write a novel and I had started a novel um, I found it really difficult, and I, I thought I seemed to do best with my short stories. But I was sitting at this course, and and it was broken up into segments, and there was a section on writing for children. And I said to my tutor, "I'll just sit here, my head sleep." I said, "There's no way I could ever <laughs> do that because I think that's the most difficult genre. It's like every word is a precious pearl, mm. every, and the fewer the better." And it just ha- you have to meet your target audience and all that, and I was like, oh no, I just want to write for fun, and um, so but so I sat through that and I did listen, and the next morning I had um, Lucy McLean arrived at my house about a you know a young girl who um, she, she had a bit of an A plus personality and she took on too much, and I I wanted it to be fun, so I wrote it in rhyme, and um, and it turned out that a lot of people had children like that and they could relate to it uh, children who were taking on so much and had to choose mm. what they sh- should be doing so that you know they didn't become sort of master all trades and you know <laughs> boss of none or however it goes <laughs> so <laughs> we are rolling our eyes here in the studio <laughs> knowingly <laughs> yeah I'm trying not to become Lucy McLean myself but it's hard, that's hard, but a little bit difficult at the moment I've got in a lot, lots of things I'm juggling but oh you know what Life's great. Yep, and it's, creativity it's is and it's, uh, the rewards great. are huge. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and then um, since then I've written one other that was actually published by a Wanganui publishing company, um, Benjamin Smith, and um, that's my favourite. I, I guess it's a sort of here we go again. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I just love. I just loved how it panned out in the end and it was it was you know a dad and his son mm. no no woman mm. in sight mm. so I love the I, fact that you love your work you know yeah, that you yeah, yeah, yeah. you really um, put your heart and soul in it and I think you know I think that um my mentor has 
has praised me for my commitment. And mm. I said, yeah, I, I don't know if I choose to have this commitment. It just happens. But every time you get some good feedback, and so it is important, you just want to do more, don't yep, you? Yeah, absolutely. It's like a drug. So why yeah. have you then self-published the novels? Did you submit them to a publisher? What are the novels about? Um, yes, I did. But uh, And I, I was also very aware that the quality had to be consistent all the way through. And because a novel is so long and I was time poor, I wrote it in chunks. And, you know, I think I'd progressed. By the time I got towards the end, I progressed as a writer. Mm, you have to start again or and go, go back, back to the end. Like, oh, to really the beginning. Yes, I did send it. A, you know, I sent it to a couple of publishers, and that was rejected. Um, and then somebody suggested self-publishing, which I ended up doing through Amazon. And that was, you know, that was really stressful mm. and quite disastrous. Um, and and <laughs> I I used my daughter's hand on the front cover. It was called, it was called Letter to Nelson, mm. and it actually came from a writing topic. Um, and I used her, her hand with a pen writing. Um, so that was my cover. So I created the cover and then I had to make this. So there's so much more technical stuff involved. But then, and then I lovingly handed it out to my colleagues as a gift. And one of them came back to me the following week and said, and I had 30 of them printed, I think, and said, do you realise that, you know, your protagonist doesn't drive, but you've got her driving a car in chapter oh. something? And I thought, <laughs> oh, I said, thank you so much for telling me. <laughs> I went through them all in the bin. No, Sean, no. I them all in the bin. And then I um, fixed it. I fixed it in Amazon. But the people that I love who have been reading it, you know, it's too late. So, that, but, you know, you learn. Yep. And, um, yeah. And also trying to, it's a big thing to do on your own. You do mm. need, you know, I needed a structural editor, really, to help. And that's costly. Mm, it is. It's but uh, then... The whole thing is, uh, it's not enough to just write it. What happens after is, you know, takes equally much energy and time Absolute. and commitment. And, and a, a whole different raft of yep. skills, I feel. Absolutely. Marketing. Mm. So then I thought, you know what, I don't, I've got this book. And then I wrote another one, which I love, The Hairnet, which is based on my husband's barbershop. Mm. Um, and the, the conversations that go on within a hairdresser's. Mm. And that became a story. So I published that, and I'm quite proud of that one. Mm. Yeah. Well, you should be. <laughs> well, I, it's amazing to hear everything that you're doing. And uh, thank you so much oh, for sharing. You. Thanks for having me. And, you know, I hope all the writers out there are listening and realising that I'm just, you know, I'm an ordinary person who mm. loves to write. If you are as well, you can, you know, get, get a lot of rewards just by doing it. Absolutely. So just, just do it. Yep. Yeah. And don't be a stranger. Don't uh, forget us here in New Plymouth. When oh, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't. My husband's family are all here. We He claims we'll be back every second weekend and I'll be certainly at the plays at Little Theatre to watch. So thank you Fantastic. so much for having me. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com 
and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govette Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lye Centre. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com.